0: Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, church. If you're our guest here this morning and maybe it's your first time, we want to welcome you and I want to take a moment and introduce myself. My name is Aaron. And I am the lead pastor here at NCC, and we are so excited that you're joining us this morning. This is a great Sunday um, to check out the church because we're kicking off this brand new series called The Stories Jesus Told. And I love a good story. A good story, um, man, it captivates you, it grabs your attention. And Jesus was an amazing storyteller. And his stories, not only were they captivating, not only were they interesting, but they were called parables because there was a spiritual truth in the stories that Jesus told. The stories that he told really helped his audience, the people that were listening, understand how they could live in a right relationship with God and how God was calling them to live in a right relationship with other people. And so these stories really made an impact on the people that were listening to them. And so we want to look at them and really understand, God, what is it that you're saying to us? Because I believe this, that God's word is powerful and that it brings change to our lives. When we open up our hearts and when we look at the scripture, it can bring about a change inside of us. So I want you to turn to the person next to you before we jump into the message and say, I believe God's word can change me. I believe God's word can change me. And I truly believe that whether you're just starting off, whether this is your first Sunday, honey. Um, here at church, whether you've been doing this for a number of months or a number of years, whether you've been doing this for 20 years, when you approach God's word with an open heart, when you ask God, what is it that you're trying to say to me, and you begin to read the scripture, it makes a difference in our lives. And so every week as we do this, we're believing that, that God, as we approach scripture, you're going to bring about a change and a difference inside of our hearts and lives. But there's another way that we're going to see that change happen in our lives as we walk through this series over the next few weeks, and that is we're going to read through the life of Jesus together. And so there's a few ways that you can do that. The first way is if you have a smartphone, a tablet, or anything like that, you can go to the App Store and you can download the YouVersion Bible. If you haven't already done this, I want to encourage you, please take out your smartphone. You can do it even right now while I'm talking and just type in that YouVersion Bible app and Um, It will download this app. It's going to look like that little icon that you see down at the bottom that says Holy Bible. And when you get in there, you can click on the button that says plan right there towards the bottom and then just search the Gospels. And we're going to spend time reading through the Gospels together every single day, opening up our hearts to the life of Jesus and seeing what it is that God wants to say to us. If you don't have a smartphone or a tablet or anything like that, you can still participate with us. There um, is printed Bible reading plans back at the information center. And I want to encourage you before you head out um, of service today that you stop back there, you grab one of those, and that you join with us. And our goal is that every day over the next few weeks that there's hundreds of us in our church reading God's word together, being changed and being challenged and asking God, what is it that you want to speak to me today? How can I take what I'm reading and apply it to my life and see my life be different because of what you're speaking into my heart and into my life? And so we're going to do this together as a church. And on the days that it's hard, just remember you're not doing this alone. There are hundreds of other people doing this with you, asking God to challenge us with his word. And so I want to encourage you in that it's a vital part of our spiritual growth. And today we're going to start the stories that Jesus told by looking um, at a story in the gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to start reading at verse 25. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There should be a Bible in the seat in front of you or maybe one or two seats over And if you grab one of those Bibles, you can turn to page 564 in that Bible, and we are going to look at the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, the story of the Good Samaritan, it's a story that Jesus shares with a group of people that he's teaching that touches on this idea of compassion and reaching out to others. And this story is so powerful, it's not just something that's talked about in the church, but it's become apparent in other parts of the world people use this language. You may have heard someone referred to as a Good Samaritan, someone that's compassionate. There are nonprofits that are named after this passage of Scripture. The Samaritan's Purse is a big worldwide nonprofit. There's even a law in America that's about this story, the Good Samaritan Law, which is if you see someone in need and you help them, even if you're not a doctor or a medical profession, you're covered by this law and kind of protected by this law because you're doing that out of the goodness of your heart. So this story that Jesus tells is so powerful that it has spilled over outside of the church into other parts of our culture and our world because there's such a powerful truth in what Jesus conveys in this story. So let's see what he says in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to start reading at verse 25. It says this, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Let me pause right here in the story, because just at this introduction, there's this powerful dialogue that's happening between Jesus and this lawyer. The lawyer was someone who understood scripture, who probably would have had large parts of the Bible memorized, committed to memory. He could have quoted parts of the law and parts of the Old Testament. He would have understood that. He was someone who had studied the law, and so he had a good knowledge of it, and he desires to come to jesus and he begins to ask this question and we see a few things in the way that he asks the questions the first thing is he's not really seeking after truth he simply wants to put jesus to the test this is a battle of wits is jesus smarter than i am it's kind of about himself maybe a little bit conceited and he wants to know what is jesus going to say how will jesus respond to this series of questions that he wants to ask him and he's kind of stopped after the first one there And not only that, when Jesus gives a response, when he kind of turns the question back on him, what does this man do? He begins to justify himself. He begins to say, well, who is my neighbor? He wants to know from Jesus, from this educated, studied teacher, from this rabbi, Jesus, I'm okay, right? Like the way that I'm living, who is my neighbor? Who is it that I really have to love? Like, God, when he's saying this, he thinks that I'm okay, right? Like, what I'm doing, it's fine. I don't have to love everyone. And so he begins in his wording to justify himself to make sure that he's okay in the way that he's living and what he's doing. And his attitude displays something about his life. See, his attitude and our attitude, it begins to determine your actions See, I truly believe this man was not living this out because of the attitude that he had. He doesn't come to Jesus when Jesus says, hey, that's right, love God and love your neighbor and say, hey, I'm trying to do that. Like in my life, I'm trying to to be compassionate. I'm trying to get to know other people. If I see someone with a need, Jesus, I respond. I try to do something. See, he's not talking about that. He's saying, well, who do I have to love? Like you're not saying I have to love everyone, right? What I'm doing, that's okay Because this man wasn't living out all of this knowledge that he had about the Bible. He wanted to make sure that what he was doing was okay. And your attitude will determine your actions. Your attitude will determine your actions. It'll show what's really in your heart and what's really there in your life. And this is something, as we begin to read this story, that we should take note of and that should stand out to us. See, because we, like this lawyer, we can come to Scripture, we can come to this story that we're about to read, and we can simply try to justify ourselves. You can sit in a church service like this every single week and it can be less about your relationship with God and more about yourself. You can spend more time trying to ease your conscience than really building God's kingdom when it comes to embracing God's word and understanding God's word. And that's what this lawyer was doing. He had a knowledge of scripture, but there was nothing in his life that was actually living it out. And church, we need to be cautious as we even approach this story today That it's not just about us, but we're saying, God, change me. Use me to impact others. God, use me to make a difference. And so the very attitude that we have, even as we approach this story, makes all the difference in the way that we choose to live out God's word and how we choose to apply it to our life. So he's standing there trying to justify himself. Now, who's my neighbor? And Jesus replies with this. It says this, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And let me pause here again. Jesus begins and he starts with this story of a man who's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. This road was called the Jericho Road because it traveled between those two cities. And it probably wasn't a surprise when Jesus begins to tell this story and he explains that this man fell among robbers because this was a very violent road. A lot of crime was committed on this road. Many people were traveling to Jerusalem with merchandise with goods, with crops, with vegetables, with all of these things to sell at the marketplace. And then they would travel back from Jerusalem down to Jericho or into any of the the other cities in the plain there with money, with gold that they had gotten because they had sold whatever it was that they took to sell in the marketplace. So this was a prime place for robbers to hide down this winding road going down this hill, going down the side of this mountain. And there was different, a lot of different places for them to hide in For them to jump out and attack people. So this probably wasn't a surprise in the story. They could probably see this coming as Jesus is responding about what it means to be a good neighbor. Because the road to Jericho was also known in the Jewish language as the bloody road or the bloody way. Because there was such violence on it. But it probably did surprise the people when Jesus mentions two people that walk by and don't do anything. It says that a priest came down the road, and he passes the guy that's laying there, that's hurting, that's bleeding out on the road, and he passes by on the other side. And and then the Levite comes, and the audience probably thought, well, this is the person, one man didn't help him, but this is the person that Jesus will say will actually assist this guy and help him. And that's what it means to be a neighbor. That's who your neighbor is. But Jesus doesn't. Both these individuals pass by on the other side of the road. Now, when Jesus said that, it was probably pretty comical to the crowd that was listening. There was probably laughter and people chuckling and talking to each other because this road was not an interstate, you guys. This isn't 635, you know, six-lane traffic. This is a small winding pathway going down the side of a mountain. And most people believe that this pathway, it was no wider than 10 feet at its widest points and even narrower at other points. It wasn't probably till 30 or 40 years after the time of Jesus that the Romans came in and they made it wider for for travel and trade to go down this path. But at this point, it was very narrow. And so there was no way if someone's lying on the ground, bleeding, broken, crying out for help, there is no other side of the road You would have had to step over that individual. Are you getting that picture? You would have had to edge up against the wall so that you don't touch them while they're sitting there crying out for help. You're scooting on the side of the wall because you don't want to get too close to the edge and tumble down the mountainside and injure yourself. So they're scooting up against the wall to get past this guy that's begging for help as he's lying down on the ground, bleeding, asking for someone to assist him. They stepped over this man who is broken, who's hurting. And there was probably a lot of rules or reasons why they didn't stop and do that. These were religious men. This was a priest and this was a Levite. There were certain things that they were required to do by by the scripture and by the law. And so they probably felt justified in not stopping stopping and helping this person. There were rules in which they lived their life by and rules or religion without relationship will always cause you to walk over broken people. Rules or religion without relationship will always cause you to walk over broken people. So for this priest or for this Levite, because they were workers in God's house, if they were to stop and touch someone that was bleeding, someone that was hurting, someone that was about to die, they would have had to go back up to Jerusalem, offer sacrifices, so that they would be clean. They would have to go through all of this ceremonial washing. They couldn't serve in God's temple. They couldn't serve the people of God for a number of days. There were all of these requirements if they were to touch this person. And so their rules caused them to step over someone that was hurting, someone that was broken, lying there on the road asking for help. And it can be like that in your life. It can be like that in my life. We can get so focused in on our spiritual checklist and our spiritual to-do list that people are in our lives every single week, every single day, and they're crying out for help. And we are just stepping over them. We're just passing them by, not even stopping to pay attention to them. As I was reading through this story time and time again this week, I thought of another story that I read. And it was about a group of Bible college students. And these Bible college students were given this assignment to preach this message on this exact passage, to come to class ready to preach a message on the Good Samaritan, a message on compassion, And when they got to that class that day, they had their sermons prepared and they were going to stand up in front of their peers and teach this message or preach on this message. There was a different professor there and he said, hey, the lecture hall has been moved. Your class is meeting in this lecture hall across campus. And so we want you to leave right now. Hurry up. Make your way across campus. Go to that lecture hall. And that's where you'll be delivering the sermons today. You have this many minutes to get over there. And so the students grab, grab their things and they begin to head out. And as they're walking, the professor had staged an acting student at that seminary or that college. And he's right at the doorsteps of the building that they're about to enter. He's dressed up as a homeless man. He looks really broken and disheveled. And he's holding a sign and it says, someone, please help me. I need food. And he was told everyone that passes by, you need to verbally try to engage them and ask them for help. Plead for help that that they would stop and help you. And more than 80 percent. These seminary students, these Bible college students, didn't even look the man's way when he asked for help. Didn't even give him a second glance. On their way to preach a message about the Good Samaritan, they became so focused on what they were supposed to preach that they forgot to live it out. They were so focused on what they were about to say about compassion. They forgot in their own life that God was calling them to demonstrate this and to live this as a part of their life. And it can be like that with you. It can be like that with me, that we get so focused on what we think God wants us to do, we forget this is about a relationship. How do you get real eternal life? How do you live true life? You love God with everything inside of you, and you love your neighbor as yourself. And we can go get so busy with church world, And what we think God is requiring of us, that we forget it's about a relationship to love God and to love others that he's placed in our life. And we can fall into that same trap that they fell into. We can be like that Levite and that priest that are walking by that man that's broken. And we can ask that question that they probably ask. But what about me? If I stop and help this man, it's probably going to cost me something. If I stop and help this man, it's going to take time. They may have been going back to their families after having served in the temple for days or even weeks. I have to get home to my family, and I don't know what this is going to require. What about me? What about me? What if the robbers are still out there somewhere, hiding in the bushes, hiding around the next corner? And if I try to help this man who's bleeding and who's dying, maybe they'll come and attack me. What about me? Instead of stopping and asking the question, what about him? What if I'm his last chance? What if I'm his last hope? What if no one else is going to pass this way and this man is going to lie here dying, bleeding out and dead eventually? What if I don't stop and show compassion? What if God is challenging me to do something? See, our religious rules and our spiritual checklist can cause us to walk over broken people all the time in our life. And you can, at your workplace, the person that frustrates you, the person that makes you angry, you can say, well, that's not really my affair. They did that to themselves. They got themselves in that situation. That family member or that friend that's struggling with that addiction, how do I know that they don't really belong there on purpose? Maybe they did this to themselves. Maybe that guy that's beaten there, the Levites in the precinct, well, maybe he did something to deserve that. Maybe he's a bad person. And so they make excuses for themselves. They justify themselves and they walk over the life of someone that's broken and of someone that's hurting. Jesus continues with the story, and he says this. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, and he gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay When I come back, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. Now, this was the twist in the story. This is what no one expected to hear, what no one expected in the story, that there was a Samaritan who would come by and stop and help this person. As soon as Jesus said that, there was a Samaritan traveling down the road. There was probably audible gasps. There was booing in the audience. People were probably upset at the story that Jesus was telling, okay? So give me a pretty loud boo here. Okay, hopefully you're not booing my message, okay? Um, And so they're frustrated. They're angry probably at, at Jesus. Why is he introducing a Samaritan in this story of who's your neighbor? Because the Jewish people hated the Samaritans. See, the Samaritans were people who were Jewish at one point. They were part of the nation of Israel. But hundreds of years before the time of Jesus, the Assyrians had come in and carried them off into captivity, and they had intermarried with the Assyrians. So now they were no longer just Jewish, but they were Jews and Assyrians. And so when they went back to settle once again in their homeland in the nation of Israel, the Jewish people that were still pure Jews in that land hated them. They felt like, these Assyrians/ Jewish people had betrayed them, that they had rejected God and accepted the gods of this other culture, that they were no longer really part of the Jewish faith, but they no longer really belonged there, but they were these outsided, isolated people. And there was this deep hatred for them. They despised them. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of hatred where someone cuts you off when you're traveling down the road and you're really frustrated at them. This isn't the kind of hatred when someone brings a full shopping cart into the 10-item express line at the grocery store, okay? Realize that's frustrating. Realize you're angry. This is the kind of hatred of someone that you despise as a person, of someone that you don't even feel like they have value or worth as an individual. You wish that they were dead more than they were alive because you have that kind of feelings toward them of betrayal, and you despise who they are as an individual, they didn't even call them Jews anymore. They called them Samaritans. They lived in a different part, what used to be part of the nation of Israel. They now called it Samaria because they didn't want anything that would associate them with this other group of individuals. And this is who Jesus says is the neighbor. This is who Jesus chooses to be the hero in the story. Everyone who they probably thought this will be the villain, something bad's going to happen here. Jesus says, no, this is the person. Who shows compassion. It's like he's looking at the lawyer. And saying you understand the law. You know the scripture. But this person that you hate. And that you think is so far away from God. He's actually closer to God's kingdom. Than you are. He's actually living biblical truth out more than you are with all of your knowledge about the Bible. He's the one who's really practicing what God says in loving your neighbor and loving God with everything inside of you. It's this person that you hate that's actually closer to God's kingdom than you are. That's who your neighbor is. And Jesus says, why don't you go and do likewise? Go and be like that person. Go and live out your faith in that way that, that it would be so compelling. in Jesus, just like what this lawyer, is here this morning, and he's challenging you, he's challenging me. Are you going to go and do likewise? Are you willing to take what you know about the scriptures, and are you willing to live it out in a way that shows compassion and kindness to people in your life that are hurting and that are broken? As I was going through this message, Sarah and I were talking about this week, or talking this week about when we had experienced this in our life. And I've shared with you how we were foster parents, and this was right at the time when we were training to be foster parents, and we were getting ready to take in the first placement of kids, and we had a big heart for sibling groups. And so we were taking in four kids besides the four kids that we had in our family. And it was very different than what we thought it was going to be. These kids had been through such abuse and through such trauma, physical neglect, That they didn't know how to function in a normal household and it was apparent by all the um, medicines that they had to be on for mental instability and all of these things what this was going to be like and sarah called me the second day when she was at the school trying to register them for school and she said aaron you've got to come up here the little boy that was in our house that was just about six years old was physically hitting and kicking the principal the principal was trying to restrain him he was cussing him out The little girl was cussing out some of the other workers there, and we were just beside ourselves. This is what it was like because we had invited brokenness into our house. Day after day, week after week, we just praying, God, we're trying to do our best. Help us love these kids. Help us to be compassionate like you are. And I remember coming home one day, and Sarah, almost with tears in her eyes, just pointed at the counter, and on the counter, it was this vase full of flowers from some of our friends in the church and the note just said, you're not doing this alone. We're here for you. We love you. We're praying for you. Times where they would just bring bags of groceries because it was so hard even to take the kids in the car to the grocery store and just do normal things you do in your life. At Halloween, we got a phone call and they said, hey, we know you probably can't take all of your kids' trigger treating. We didn't know if the kids would run out in the road or what would happen. And so they said, we'll come pick up Your bio kids and you can do something special with the foster kids at your house times where we sat in a service just like this and for an hour got to not think about it we got to worship and hear a message while kids workers in the church got kicked and bitten and cussed at just so we could enjoy for a few moments and be ministered to what god wanted to speak into our lives and as i think back to that i think man people in our church they were our neighbor They were compassionate. They were loving. They didn't really have to be, but they went above and beyond in a way that ministered to us. Even some of the smallest things like a vase full of flowers, a bag of groceries meant the world to us when we didn't know where to turn and where we didn't know what else to do, where we were just trying our best to love kids that were broken. There were people that said, hey, we're going to do this with you. We're here for you. We're supporting you. Church, that's what we're called to do. We're called to find people at their brokenness and be Jesus to them. To demonstrate compassion, no matter who they are, no matter if you hate them, no matter if you love them, they are your neighbor. And you're called to meet the needs in their life. And I quickly just want to paint a picture of what that looks like for us, because for most of us, you're not going to walk up on someone that's been physically beaten. Maybe you will at some point, and by all means, administer medical attention to them, if that's the case. But for most of us, it looks different in our lives. See, for students in the room, it's that other student who's in the cafeteria, who sits by themselves, who maybe is a little bit socially awkward, and no one else wants to talk to them. And they think they've got Christians figured out. They think they know who you are. And they're just assuming, yeah, you're going to be like everyone else. And you're going to walk over my brokenness without even looking at me because you're too busy with what you have. And Jesus is looking at you students, saying in your high school, in that math class, in that history class, would you go and do likewise? Would you see the brokenness? of people that are hurting, who may never say anything, but deep down there's anguish inside of them. That person at your workplace, that person in your neighborhood, that family member or that friend struggling with that addiction, and they're saying, yeah, you're too busy with your church stuff to really even notice. I know how Christians are. You're just going to walk past my brokenness. And Jesus is looking at you saying, no, I'm challenging you, church. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Be compassionate. Be their neighbor. Show them the love of Jesus in a way that ministers to them. See, every day in every part of our life, we're walking past people like this. It may not be as physically apparent as it was on that day on the road to Jericho, but there are people all around you who are hurting And you can't just justify yourself. You can't make excuses like maybe they deserve to be there. Maybe they did something. No, Jesus is compelling you this morning through this story. Go and minister to their needs. Go and meet them at the point where they are hurting and love them. Bring healing into their life. That's what Christ is calling us to do. And I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And I just want to ask if there's anyone in the room And this morning, maybe you relate to the person in the story who was on the ground beaten up by life, hurting and broken. If you were to describe your life, maybe that's how you would describe it as someone who doesn't have it all together. You're hurting and you're broken on the inside. And if that's you, Jesus is here this morning and he's inviting you into a new life. If that's you in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand up right where you're at and to come forward to the altar because I want to pray for you. The word of God is very clear that we've all sinned, we've all messed up. And the beauty of this is that Jesus is like the Samaritan in the story that he came onto the scene of our life and that he offers healing and that he offers hope, that it doesn't matter how bad you're hurting or what you've done, that Jesus on the cross offers forgiveness for every mistake for everything that we've done that's wrong. He invites us in for a brand new start to bring healing and wholeness into our life. And if that's you, without anyone looking around this morning, but you know, Aaron, I need that brand new start that you're talking about. I need God's healing in my life. I don't have a relationship with him, but I want one. If that's you right now, would you stand up right where you're at and come forward to the altar? I want to pray for you. Anyone at all, if God's speaking to you, don't miss this opportunity this morning. I'll wait just one more moment. He's here offering healing and hope for your life. Well, if there's no one here in that situation, church, I want to ask if you would look at me. We want to live out this message. We don't want to be like the lawyer who just justified himself and said, you know, who is my neighbor? Who do I really have to love? But we want to live in a way just like Jesus shared in this story where we're ministering to those around us. So I'm going to ask you to do a few things this week. The first thing that I'm asking you to do is just in your workplace, at your school, wherever you're at, in your neighborhood, with people that you interact with, allow your heart to be open. Allow God to speak to you. It may be someone that you're sitting next to this week that God wants to use you to ask a question, to look into their life and to see where the brokenness is and to share Jesus with them, to have compassion on them. Because all of us at one point, we were broken like that. And God rescued us. God saved us. The second thing is this. We're going to live this out this week as the church. We're going to go into our community. And so we talked about it earlier in the service. but. We're doing on Saturday, this Saturday, we're going to get together and we're going to serve at a few of the nonprofits. We're going to serve at Mesquite Social Services and Sharing Life. We're going to be at the Children's Hospital in Dallas and we're going to be at a homeless ministry in downtown Dallas. Why? Because we want to build relationships with people. We want to go where people may be hurting and we just want to serve them and we just want to love them and show them the compassion of Christ that they could have hope again in their life. So, church, I want to challenge you. If you haven't already, please sign up to participate with us this week and just love people. Just build new relationships to show his compassion. I believe it's going to be a great time where God is going to use us. And the last way is this right here with groups. Sometimes we make the sad mistake of assuming, oh, the brokenness is just outside of these walls. Like we're all okay sitting in this room, but I've just shared a story where we were pastors. We were pastors at a different church, but we were hurting as we tried to reach out and love other people. And we needed people in our church that came beside us and supported us. And groups are a way that we do that. If you're not connected in a group, I wanna encourage you, please sign up today. We're about to talk about that as, as a moment, but this is a way that we care for each other when you're in the hospital, when you have a need, when you're going through something. It shouldn't just be the pastors of the church that are calling you or reaching out to you. It should be the people that you're in groups with. We should care about each other enough to meet each other at our point of brokenness, to love, to pray, to show compassion to one another as we need to. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Sarah if she would come forward and she helps out with our spiritual formation in our groups and just share how we can love one another and live out this message that Jesus shared today.